Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to episode two on week one of our Clash of the Titles, Clashoween Countdown, the podcast that for the month of October pits two horror movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we went a hunting witches, and today, a witch is hunting us. And by us, I mean a Puritan family living in the most ominous location possible in New England, terrorised by evil sorcery, a talking goat and bratty children. From 2015, it is The Witch. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? will fly high on its broomstick and which will be burnt at the stake we'll know by the end of the show so let's get it on welcome to this clash of the titles clashoween countdown release the kraken hello clash butters would thou like the taste of butter? A pretty dress? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And as I said, this is part two of our first Clash Oween as we count down to the greatest night of the year, All Hallows' Eve. And of course, at the end of the show, we'll be having the verdict as to which is the better film in our first Clash Oween, Black Death or The Witch. And in the absence of our good friend and co-host, Chris Tilly, who claims uh, to not be back in the UK, but is really too scared to watch The Witch and talk <laughs> about it. Uh, I'm going to be reading a review uh, from the Digital Mailbag today. Are you excited for a review as read by me? It's a genuine review. I know I did uh, a review for a different podcast last week for, for shits and giggles. So uh, this for, is a real Yeah, one. for your shits and giggles, me like a yeah. prick was like, oh, great, we've got a good review. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, thanks for letting me in on that little joke, see? But you carry on. Um, thanks. Sorry. I'll I'll send you the script um, before. <laughs> yeah, because if I, you wouldn't I, mind. I, 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 as we know, this this is an entirely scripted show. Uh, yeah. Every word that you hear has been written down. Uh, every aside, every what, what seems like improv, uh, and often something going off the rails is actually a carefully 
orchestrated journey of audio delight. All right, then. Here is uh, today's review. Uh, I will say this just before I read it. A quick thank you um, to everyone who does take the time to post a review of the pod on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Uh, They do help with the algorithm sexy word, uh, which helps to add numbers to the ranks of our ever-growing Clash Potters army, which will eventually rain destruction on this world. Uh, Also, it makes us feel very warm and fuzzy. So cheers for all your reviews. This review comes from Apple Podcasts, and it is from Alan Tazzy. The headline is educational. Great pod covering films I have seen, films I haven't seen, and films I thought I had but obviously haven't. Take weird science. Yeah, I remember the scene where the boys create Lisa, and unless the three presenters were on drugs while watching the film, I don't recall anything of the very well-explained strange goings-on of said film. But enough of that. A brilliantly put-together show that breaks films down and lets you look at them with fresh eyes. Five stars. Yay! <laughs> uh, we weren't on drugs. Weird science was on drugs, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really weird 80s, the kind of 80s drugs you just what don't get anymore. Drugs? Like, it was, speed? No. You can get speed. Sniffing glue. Sniffing glue. Oh, glue. yeah, yeah, glue. yeah. All your, yep. your adhesives. Yeah. Yeah. Aerosols. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Aerosols in a plastic bag. And then you put the bag over your... Never my thing, mate. Never my thing. Yeah, well, it was my yeah, mine. It was. I was hugely into it. No, I just wrote. I didn't. You get? Did we get a video in school? I'm sure we got videos in school saying, "Don't do this because it will kill you." (laughs) And then I think we all pretended to sniff Pritt stick in lesson, thinking it might do something. Like, yeah, we weren't allowed tippet. I mean, not to do this again. Remember fuzzy felt, but do do you remember you weren't allowed tippet because someone told us like you'd sniff it and die. So we weren't allowed Mm. tippet. I don't know if you can Mm. sniff it and die. Isn't it uh, Mickey Dolenz's family from Mickey from the monkeys was the heir to the tippet empire? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lovely, lovely, lovely. Remember, remember the monkeys. No, I don't, because I'm 41. Yeah. Uh, Right, then, a big thank you then to Alan Tazzy for that review. So let's do this. On Monday, I plagued you, which means today Vicky isn't a witch. She's the witch. V takes on a journey. How do there's trouble at pill, Grimm's? As in 1630s New England, a family of two pure Puritans are expelled from their community and banished to the edge of the forest where there be witches. Dad William builds a home and mum Catherine bears their fifth child and all is rural bliss or at least rural stability and the family is sure their faith in God will see them through. So much so that when baby Samuel goes missing in the care of eldest daughter Thomasin, the family can believe it was a wolf that done it and are grateful for the loss, the better to experience the humbling nature of God's grace. But William really should have built a naughty step for Jonas and Mercy because when Thomasin takes the extraordinary gamble of joshing with her siblings about actually being a witch, then middle child Caleb is taken and returned possessed, Jonas and Mercy freaking lose it and accuse their sister of witchcraft. Then everyone loses it and accuses everyone and everything. And thus it's the end of the most relatable family I have ever seen on film, 
Seriously, their days are shaped by the needs and whims of a loving but stubborn and prideful man with twins that absolutely cannot be controlled in a house that is a fastidious period piece recreation. That's my fucking life, man. No joke. And yeah, I've actually got loads of butter and pretty dresses. So secret rave in the woods, anyone? See you there. Wow. Uh, so uh, just, uh, just, just to recap, Cap for any anyone who has, has just watched The Witch, I imagine that's Vicky's life. You just saw a cotton <laughs> film. Um, she she doesn't have a goat, but she does have a black rabbit. Um, I so, do, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. God, Once that starts talking to you, uh, you're done for. <laughs> I forgot about my rabbits. Yeah, Ted, yeah. you devil. Yeah, I couldn't believe. It. I mean, I'll, I'll talk Ted. about it. Black Ted. <laughs> But yeah, the the twin the twins started kicking off. I was like, wow, God, so it's always been like this. <laughs> anyway. I bet. But you see, I anyway. mean, but the twins, like you said, sort of like they lose. They, they're evil from the start. I think, like the, the I think the first scene that we meet that we see Mercy and uh, Jonas on the yeah. Uh, they've they've already they've they're they're already sold on the whole Black Philip like thing. They, they're yeah, like, they're having a great time. Yeah, they know what they're doing as well. I hate them honestly. Bratty little kids being listened to. <laughs> Not your twins. They're, they're specifically Caleb and and, Mer- and Mercy. Not Caleb, Jonas and Mercy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You dare. All right. So, um, do they ever I gang up on you? Do your twins ever? Do your do your twins ever gang up on you? Like. Uh... Uh, yeah, of like, course they like, do. Like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. What 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 an easy question that is to answer. Oh, you no, question gang- how they- many times a day. <laughs> but do they gang up on your eldest either and accuse him of being a warlock? Is that ever happened? <laughs> no, but they would. Yeah, they're very um yeah, they're a little unit. Once they understand that I mean it's you know, I've said this to you a million times everything that's intense about children is just times two. So when it's loving and it's amazing, but when it's hard, it's crazily hard (laughs) because there's just multiple of them. So, and they know it, they do know it. They do know what they're doing. So yeah, in the same way as Jonas and Mercy do, they understand their power is what I mean. Good, good. All right then. I'm good. Right, I'll carry on. Yeah, yeah, I just don't want twins. Uh, (laughs) I know you don't. No, I'm in the business of wanting kids at all, but twins, you know, that's a real, that's a big, big, big black mark. (laughs) Don't have them. I don't know what you can do about it apart from just not having children altogether. But yeah, don't, you know, if you can possibly avoid it, I would say avoid it. And that's as I love, and I I love, love you both very much, boys, if you can hear this. um... (laughs) Well, this is, this is, this is recorded forever. The the internet, you know, until the apocalypse will live on. So they will go back and listen to what mummy used to say about them on Clash of the Titles every week. (laughs) Yeah. Can't imagine. Don't imagine. That's horrendous. I, I guess I'd say don't don't imagine them looking after you when you're old and frail. <laughs> like, yeah, no, we were totally up for that. You know, we were just kids, but uh, but then we listened to you know episode four hundred twenty six where you fucking like <laughs> tore into our tore into our first girlfriends and uh, I fuck you. Oh, yeah, I will do as well. Now then, listen, listen to me because. I've mm. been conscious of this yeah. film for a long time because I understood that it made a huge splash at Sundance, but I was too scared to watch it because it was sold to me a as what? a very straight. Yeah, I was. Um, but I think uh, possibly I was a fool because it was marketed to me and sold to me as a straight horror. And I don't think it is. And so I have just been too frightened to watch it. And then Chris 
uh, Tilly was like, yes, it's absolutely terrifying and we'll do it on the podcast one day. And so I've been waiting, terrified for this day to roll around. And so now here we are. So it was my first watch. Okay. Uh, I watched it in the cinema, an early press screening. Uh, and it was quite, it was good actually, because the cinema wasn't um, too busy. And so you didn't have many people sitting near you, which obviously everyone's seen the film now. Um, it, it just works because like the more alone you are, a bit like Blair Witch um, in that respect, the more alone you are, the more immersed in this oppressive, isolated atmosphere that the film like just like beams into like the cinema or <laughs> or wherever you are. And I do I, I it's a good one. I don't remember being scared by it. Uh, a bit like you. So I'm not quite sure like whether Chris is like right in saying it really scared him. Um we'll find out when it comes to the verdict because he sent me his verdict. So I remember it weirding me the fuck out though. It really weirded me out. Uh, but I, I'd never watched it again because I felt even at the time that this was a real one-time hit of a movie. Like this, okay. I remember thinking this didn't feel like a movie to revisit. Um, not because I was scared, but it just because like the ending is so like, What? that it didn't feel like the journey would ever be quite the same again and quite as sure. fraught yeah. when you knew what was coming. And I know you can say that about a lot of films, but I, I, it's either because the, the twist in this is so fucking mad or <laughs> because on the first watch, I just had no idea where it was heading and at all. Really? It doesn't sort of like, it doesn't, yeah. yeah Why I didn't do you because... think it's got, uh, do you really think it's got a twist in it? Because I don't. I, I remember in the cinema, the moment the goat starts to talk and yeah. becomes the devil. But I think, so So I, I, have a, I have a fake memory, a false memory of this movie. Um, it was only on this watch that I saw a guy who looked like Guy Fawkes um, <laughs> walking around behind her doing the whispering. And so the version I had was actually weirder than what it is because somehow... The fact that Philip transforms into Lucifer, uh, jumping yeah. to the end, Chris would have a fucking nightmare if we were doing this. Um, <laughs> but the fact that Black Philip transforms into Lucifer and you see this sort of very shadowy, like in the shadows figure moving behind Thomasin, going, do you want to live deliciously? So my incorrect memory is that's the goat. Like it's the uh -huh. goat looming behind her talking, which to me is actually scarier. Like a goat speaking. You don't see its lips move in my memory, uh, which it doesn't exist anyway. But like, I just remember <laughs> it was the goat sort of looming behind her and you knew it was the goat speaking and it's not. So fuck it. I, my it's my memory the, is weirder. I, but no. It's because the goat's on the poster. So that the goat is very prominent in the marketing, in some of the marketing, sorry. Mm. Um, and the the one of the posters is just a sideways shot of Black Philip as a goat, and it's like, uh oh, <laughs> like this is all very bad. So I can see why you might misremember that. I don't think there's a, there's not a twist yeah. for me, which go on. Yeah, the goat transforming into Lucifer is the, is the, is the twist I'm talking about. And also, I okay. do think that I was never sure. Like, Mercy and uh, Jonas banging on about Black Philip, Black Philip, he's been talking to us, whispering to us. I thought that was just kids sort of dissolving into madness. I knew there was a witch in the woods, obviously, because that's not up for grabs as a as a yeah. baby. But I did think I did think that actually the um, Black Philip was a sort of uh, a red herring. Black Philip was a red herring. And uh, <laughs> and indeed, like that was just the, that was just the kids going going mad. I didn't know that he was going to become the devil. 
Yeah, fair enough. All so, right. Well, listen. Let's talk about the um, let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the background to the film a little bit. Uh, it's interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. It's not not so much the sort of the making of. Sorry, more the making of rather than like its uh, journey to the screen. Um, so it's like Robert Eggers by now is very well known. Um, Roger. So he of... Roger, isn't it? Is it Robert no? or Roger? Robert, you're right. Yep, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> I've all, it's I, off, Alex. no. This is no, no, no. I'm I'm apologising. That is totally me. I for, I I once called him Roger Eggers, and you know when a name just seeds into your head, but you're a hundred percent. Of course, it's Robert Eggers. I just I I always when anyone goes Robert Eggers, I'm like Roger, and then immediately as it's just happened, go no no no, carry on and ignore me as quickly as possible because fuck you. <laughs> No, fuck you. No, I ain't no. Shut up. It was my, I know it's my fault. But yeah, you're right. It's Robert Eggers. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well, don't worry about that. If I start Thanks. calling him Roger, I'm going to have to poke you in the eye. All right. So, listen, so now is a, it's just good old Rog. Um, yeah. So where are we now? We're 2022. So he of The Northman and The Lighthouse. Uh, so he's he's really well known now. But this was his first film, and he started out as a costume and a set designer, which will be important later, so we'll come back to that. Um, in 2008, he did a short of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, which did okay. Um, and then in 2010, he starts on a script. So he's doing about four years of research into fairy tales, folk tales, diaries, and accounts of witchcraft, court records, stuff like that, around the 17th century. He's from New England, so he's kind of very aware of uh, Salem witch trials uh, and it's just something he wanted to write about when he was doing all this research he realizes it's pretty cool that the same tropes occur throughout all these different accounts so it's kind of like the same witch if you know what I mean and like the same she gets up to the Mm. same sort of things also Mm. the trope of the hair which I found very interesting so hairs come up a lot with witchcraft uh, because it goes back to pan uh, Pan is related to Satan, obviously, but um, as a child, Pan was wrapped up in the hide of a hare, so a hare becomes okay. like a symbol of the devil. Isn't that cool? That so is anyway, cool. Find... I've been to I've been to Salem, by the way. Have you? Yes. Oh, I'm jealous. It's sort of it, it's weird. Like it's not quite the same. But I, have you been to Stonehenge? Yeah. Right. So, you know, like, I, I, before you hear about Stonehenge, you're like, mystical place, druids, you know, it's a special place, different, like, built on ley lines, whatever the fuck Stonehenge is, I, you know, this sort of like, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's an energy about Stonehenge. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah of course there is, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in the guidebook. Don't fucking tell me. And then you go there and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, there is. <laughs> Yeah, I like right. when I when I was there. I was like, this place does feel fucking weird. Like there is like the air crackles. Like it's like it's something. There's something about it. Anyway, Salem. Like I did the crucible at school, so I was kind of fucking thrilled to go there and you know reminisce about how much I fancied Abigail. And uh, <laughs> then you get to you get to Salem, and like I don't know whether it's because of that or because like you know like there's no denying it's a bit touristy. Like we we went to one museum and it was like it was. It was like a shit Madame Two Swords, like where like it was just <laughs> just bad wax dummies of witches, and you're like, oh, okay. But there are some good places there. Some places are just tourist traps. Some places are good, but it was a very overcast, quite foreboding day, and it's on the coast, as I remember. And it was it was just like you just felt that kind of like from remembering the crucible and the, how oppressive it feels, and then sort of being there even in the modern day. That was a sort of bleak gray 
oppressive energy to it. It was really cool. It sounds amazing. I mean, it's it's grim, isn't it? It's macabre because what actually happened mm. isn't fun. <laughs> but I understand no. why. Yeah, why you would be drawn to that. I mean, for me personally, I was. I'm really keen on when I realised that the cast. So sorry, uh, just to step back, circle back a moment. When Robert Eggers is casting it, he goes to England because he wants to get the right accents for the people that would have been more or less recently arrived from England. When they started talking, I was like, oh, they're northern. I was really pleased because where I grew up, we learned about we didn't we didn't do the Christmas school, but we'd learned about the Pendle witches. So the the Lancashire witch trials. And so where I grew up is like 10, 15 miles from Pendle Hill, Pendle Hill. Um, and so you just grow up learning about these women that from a hill you can more or less see from your bedroom window people were hanged for being witches. And so once I realised that they were maybe, you know, from the same part of the world as I was, I was like so into this film for that reason. Um, so, yeah, uh, he writes a script. Uh, the first, One of the first versions of the script, the script's got five acts, which is telling the story from the different point of view of a different family member. Producers mm-hmm. are like, nope, you need to simplify it. Really small budget, three and a half million. Um, and... Let's talk actually about the authenticity because I did mention that before about it being a set designer and a costume designer because I do think it pays off in a in a way that maybe well maybe I'm not conscious of it because I don't know anything about sets and costumes and it's not like I'm watching Black Death and thinking oh those look like machine made clothes but in mm. The Witch where possible they used hand stitched clothing from hand woven mm. fabric and the 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 house that they live in was made in a way that was respectful of the period. So, for instance, they didn't use a circular saw when they were building that house because they hadn't been invented yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it didn't they? I didn't he struggle to find a, the location to actually build the house as well? Like, I think yeah. he want to set it set it in New England, but but he couldn't. Of money, I, did money, he money. Yeah, yeah. He ended up in Canada. He I couldn't think, get for also. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because he. Uh, it's all about tax credits and New England wasn't doing any good tax credits, so they ended up in Canada. At the time. But by all accounts, like he searched for so long to find somewhere that was representative of New England uh, and the woods of New England as he as he wanted, um, because of the authenticity. So they ended up genuinely filming it somewhere fucking isolated as well. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it it wasn't just like if we turn the camera around, there was a shopping mall. Uh it was just like there was nothing <laughs> yeah. for miles. Um, I skipped over the casting a little bit. I mean, it's it's a bit of an obvious point. So Anya Taylor-Joy is now a huge movie star, um, but this is her first film role. Ralph Ineson, for me now, is amazing casting. Amazing casting. Because you expect harshness from him, and he isn't. And mm. Kate Dickey is also amazing casting because you expect coldness from Game of Thrones, and she's not. And it, it, oh, once you realise that those expectations are going to be subverted watching it now in 2022 i just i thought it was amazing um Mm. so yeah as i said launches at sundance he gets best director robert eggers gets best director and it makes 40 million off a 3.5 to 4 million dollar budget that's that's a big success like you can't ask for more than that yeah well i think all these movies have done well i mean the light i mean honestly like he's three for three and um (laughs) i say that i i only got around to watching the lighthouses it's just like wow um and then i only got around to watching the northman um about like le- le- a couple of weeks ago and i was like oh bloody hell it's ju- it's just <laughs> it's just great and and i know the northman yeah. 
didn't turn a, a profit. I think it was around. It was it was a pandemic-y kind of release, but um, okay. but even though it, it didn't make a lot of the box office um, home viewing VOD and what have you, it made its money back. So not only is he three for three on amazing films, but everyone has turned a profit so far. That's so good, isn't it? Because you want to, you just every so often someone comes along and it's just yeah, a yeah. perfect storm of like he he does have a vision and he seems like a nice person, which is important. So he that, gets, you know, he's able to is, do the things he wants. Yeah, I, I mean that vision is uh, fundamentally and repeatedly very fucking bleak, uh, but yeah. <laughs> it's a vision. I mean, I I'd love to see a, a Robert Eggers rom com uh, at some point. You know, that would be nice. But no, <laughs> it, it, each film is just like it's like it overpowers you, and it's like, oh my god, this is grim, but fucking good yeah i mean i read this interview with him when he was talking about you know someone was like why did you have to be so authentic for the the sets and the costumes of the witch and he's like you know i'm basically just a hipster and that's how we do things it's like that's such a fun self-deprecating way of like batting that back but it's like yeah it has to be perfect otherwise why bother and i do have a very like you know a respect for that because it i think it pays off for this film in a way that you know chris tilly talks about getting under your skin i think those are the reasons that it, you are so immersed in the time because there's not a detail out of place. Like they shot by candlelight or daylight. How mad is that? <laughs> but they mm. did. Yeah. I I don't know. The hackles went up when you said hipster because I, I, that's fine. And I love the fact that own it. If that's you, fucking own it. But also I'm uh-huh. just like, if 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 he came around and you like, you, you, you put on Spotify and he was like, oh, can we not <laughs> listen to this on vinyl? Because this is not how it was intended to be listened to, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go fuck out. Go get. Go out there, Robert. Buy me a fucking record player. Search the vinyl. Come back, but not not just not a modern record player. Go find a fucking authentic record player and buy your authentic first release vinyl. Come back. Put the song. You don't want to? Well, then shut up and listen to Spotify, mate. I listen. You know what I'm hearing? I've got a spare record player that you can have, and then all of this oh, will go away. Shit. Really? I've got I've got more than one. Yeah, and you do you know what? I think I might yeah, I'm looking at another one in this junk room. I think I've got three, so you can have one. Weirdly, it's not you that I think is is particular about that. It strikes me as Mark is probably the one who's like <laughs> if we're listening to it, we're, we're listening to it on vinyl. Yes, that is Am I right? True. I say we've got three. <laughs> I don't know where any of them came from, and I really don't know how to work at least two of them. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, why would you? You're not allowed to, to touch. You're not allowed to touch the vinyl, so you don't need to know. Because I'm not get, allowed to touch get it. Get your hands. Yeah, I'll I'll pick, I'll pick the music and I'll put it on. Yeah, don't yeah. You scratch it. You will scratch it. You're pissed. That's my life. You'll scratch yeah. it. <laughs> I'm in prison. Oh, you've heard Someone that before. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's oh. talk about. Let's talk about this film, shall we? Yeah. Are you ready? All right. So we're going to meet uh, Ralph Ineson's voice, <laughs> which should obviously get its own credit. Um, so he's the head of the family. He's too much for this plantation. So he's banished. And he's regretful, William, as the head of the family. He's regretful that it's come to this, but he's not regretful of his conduct, which will be important. Um, his yeah. conduct, his attitude towards his uh, community members is, this is all on you for not seeing my way of doing things. He, he, but he seems he's righteous, basically, isn't he? He's righteous in his banishment. It's like if this is how it has to be, then this is how it has to be, and it will be fine. Yeah, uh, because God is on our side. There's a, there's a nice shot, isn't there, where 
it's almost like they they called this this meeting and they brought them forward. But you see a flash when he basically says, "Yeah, I'm fucking leaving." In so many words, yeah. like you you see like a look of concern and almost sympathy and worry on the people who've like sort of brought him to question him because they thought he would back down and they are, are like this is mad that you just won't say all right sorry about that and you're actually like so proud that you're going to go out there outside these big fucking gates that are like the reverse of jurassic park where you're like shit is bad out there because like being banished from this community, just that shot of those gates closing behind them, you're like, those gates are big and those walls are high because whatever is out there is going to kill you. Yeah, it's fantastic because what what we do with it, we for my reading of it, we have a you're setting up a character that I feel is very familiar and you're going to undo all of that really shortly by showing what an, a great dad he actually is. But a cold, mm. patrician taskmaster, a bit of a bastard someone who is unloving and unfeeling and uncaring is what I usually get when I get a pilgrim, uh, especially when it's a man. It's like, I'm the head of this family. You do what I say. I am cold and awful. And we set him up like that, as in he's using his banishment to teach everybody a lesson. And I'm expecting a cold man after that point, uh, not necessarily wants to be cold, hard to reach, all the rest of it. And it's 100% untrue. William is a loving dad and a loving husband, and he's doing his best and this is what he thinks his best is. And so we'll get to it. But it's good to be set up like that because my surprise when it undoes it in a few scenes was just, it's really satisfying. And so, it's its pretty anyway. vague. It's pretty vague though, isn't it? it, it it's never quite... I did a joke. In, I did a joke. I did a joke in the intro <laughs> of, uh, of of episode one on Monday, Monday's episode, um, uh, the first part one. And it's... Um, about he leaves because they're just not religious enough for him. This Puritan yeah. community is just not fucking religious enough. I, but it is sort of left vague as to exactly what what the the actual literal reason for what they're yeah. not doing or what what he wants them to do. That's left vague. I didn't get it. Um, I could have rewound right. it to so, it, uh, some. It was something to do with preaching. I don't think it's there. I, I don't know. Okay, fine. Yeah, I wasn't sure to be honest. But anyway, um, his poor family have got to go with him and his chairs, but they stand on the edge of the forest and he holds hands with his wife and they are a bit like, I don't think they're cocky. They're not like, we will tame this, but they're like, well, okay, we're all right. We're going to be all right kind of thing. And it is all right. He builds a house. Next time we see them, he's built a house, a comfortable home, and Catherine has had another baby safely and mm. the baby is alive, which means things are going really well. Mm. This are and they are a pious family. So Thomasin and your Taylor oh, Joy well, in confession. Well, things are going sort of well though. Don't, don't we immediately yeah. see though? Like the the crops have already failed though. That's yes. that's that, that's something that's bad. So it's like they 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 they've brought a baby in. It was well done. And the fact that it's she survived childbirth in that period. Fucking a. Yep. But um, but yeah, it's not like. We're already on the downward slope. We don't. We don't. We never get sort of everything's perfect, and then everything no, goes we to don't. shit. No, we don't. You're absolutely right. Like it's they're on the edge. No, so they they become very much on the edge of starvation. But the next time we meet them, although they have managed to build a home and have a baby, the food is running out. So we meet them just before the start of the crisis. Yeah. Um. We do. We don't get that establishing shot of look. This is paradise. I guess. Uh, which is also yes. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a shot of the woods. Though, I think I can't remember. This is why uh, Robert Eggers is good. This and and I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to mention it, but why Robert Eggers uh, uh, the, the 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 
the score and a single shot. So there's one shot, a static shot of the fucking wall of trees, the woods and the score. And those two things combined and you're like, oh, that's what have you done there? Because I don't know why a shot of some trees and that's yeah. a bit of music should actually have like chilled me to the bone. But it's just like, it's really fucking good. Really I good. mean, this is the thing. So we we have spoken about this at length before. The woods, to me, as a person from the northwest of England, are not necessarily a scary place because I live and have my psychogeography, if you will, is it's quite hard to get lost in the woods in this country. But, you know, German folk tales revolve a lot around the woods. Uh, North American folk tales, because you can get lost in the woods forever and you can get eaten by a bear and you can get killed by a witch and all the rest of it. Obviously, English folk tales do lean into the woods because it's unknown and stuff goes on in there. But woods as anything can happen. I don't necessarily have that language like inside me, but film helps me do it. So to be completely honest with you, the music is amazing in this, but when he went music and woods, I was like, yeah, Blair Witch. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it's the same, but it just taps on that feeling. Obviously, it's completely different, but I've watched enough films set in woods where I'm scared of the woods by proxy, so it works absolutely mm. fine. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... Yeah. So we, and also yeah, time period, it. right? Because it's woods and music and time period, so... It's like, yes. so you've got the woods, you've got the music, you've got the, the the period, which is obviously the other thing that something like Blair Witch, for example, I think she used it as an example, it doesn't have, which is sort of like, there is no, like, if you're already lost in the woods in the modern day, but there's a chance of a cell phone signal, there's a chance of a stumbling across a road. There's literally none of that. It's like, it's, yes. it's like, you just get that sense of like, they're on their fucking own, like more than yeah. any other family I've seen in a woodsy movie. <laughs> Um, so Thomason is making confession, which just gives you an, it's important because you need to understand that the whole family are on board with William's approach to their religion. So Thomason is saying, basically, I deserve hellfire for being lazy with my chores and things like that. And it's like, wow, easy girl. Like, you know, there's a lot worse coming, but it's important that this whole family are kind of on the same wavelength because she's not even done anything wrong yet. <laughs> anyway, she takes yeah. her baby brother out, and she's playing peekaboo, and one minute he's there, and then he's gone, which is obviously a freaking nightmare. And then very quickly, I wasn't expecting this, and it threw me at first, and I didn't like it. And then once I'd read more around the film, I got on board with it. But he hello, here's a witch. And I was like, oh, okay. So witches are real. Because I did my research after I watched the film and for Robert Eggers, it was important to represent the fact that people of this time period did genuinely believe in witches. I obviously have an issue with witchcraft because there is no such thing as a witch and it's the physical manifestations or the embodiment of misogyny and marginalisation to say, you know, this outcast group or whatever, oh, you're a witch. I understand that people believed in it, but those people believed in something that doesn't exist and we, it's important to recognise that. So then it's like, oh, we're saying witches are real. I thought we'd mess around with it a little bit more. I, it's fine to have the witch, but we're straight okay. away, we are like, there's the witch. I got on board with it later, but at first I was disappointed. I quite like the clarity. Like, I, I really like the clarity. Literally, from the moment um, Samuel disappears and you're like, well, that physically can't have happened. So that's your sort of immediate gateway into the fact that this is supernatural. And then yeah. obviously, you know, within, like you said, like a minute, you're uh, you're watching a, a, an old crone 
fucking squish a baby. Squishing yeah. the baby. Now squishing the baby. And then you see her flying on a broomstick, um, uh, which is, um, you know, and so you're like, I think to sort of, rem- because it could have gone, it, uh, it could have gone down two routes. It could have gone down. Oh, is some is someone fucking with them in the woods? Is this like yep. is this, are they going mad? Is there a, someone out there? Is it natives? Is it is Thomasin actually done something? And it's a sort of a skewed narrative from her sake, and she did kill like Samuel, and we, we saw her fake story and like all of that. It's like it does away with all of that, and it goes and and I think for the better because you then are no longer doing that thing that you would normally do. Which is go, trying to, which I touched on at the start, I think, which is trying to sort of out outwit the movie, you know, trying to second yeah. guess it, trying to go, oh, I think that's going to happen, and by literally cutting that off, it then goes, no, this is what it is, and you, you're just then into it's the atmosphere, like you, because you're not overthinking, you're not trying to work the movie out, you're completely at its mercy in terms of like it, the atmosphere it wants to create for you. Do you see what I mean? I do. I, yeah, I, t- I I just I did get on board with it pretty swiftly because witches are not real, and what they mm. represent is is sort of is pretty is pretty depressing. But they believed they were real. So what tempered it for me is if we'd have had oh here's a witch. A witch is you know the manifestation of misogyny, and this family are going to persecute Thomasin because of misogyny and William is horrible to women because of misogyny. I'm not, I'm not into it, but that's not what happened. We, the family believe in witches. So we see the witch and I like this family. And I think what happens to them is weirdly very relatable. So Hmm. I, I'm, I'm all right that we've got witches as real. Um, because I don't know. I mean, vampires aren't real, but I don't mind seeing vampires because I feel like no one gets hurt by that. Witches aren't real. Saying that they are, it does result in harm somewhere down the line. But it's okay with this because the way that the family experience it is kind of devoid of modern day misogyny, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. I haven't yeah. articulated okay. yeah, that yeah. brilliant bit. No, I know. I, I do. I, I totally understand what you mean. I guess that. But this is why it falls under the banner of horror, or at least sort of uh, definitely a, a supernatural th- thriller. I get, I hate those terms, but um, but yeah, because it is, it it, it does suggest witches are, are real, which I think is yeah. is, is exciting and marks it as different. Because, like you said, I mean, we just did Black Death on Monday, which is obviously like which is real, which is real. No, they're not. It's just people being. <laughs> excuse my language. <laughs> Oh no, that's lovely, to, lovely, absolutely lovely. Um, we'll have um, a short break on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right, so um, next. So William, dad, takes Caleb into the woods. This was brilliant. It's not to get the baby. It's not to get Samuel. It's because they've got to be practical because they're going to starve. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, thought, what I found was interesting in my research about uh, the witchcraft trials and witch hunts throughout Europe in this time, it's a micro representation of some of the conditions that were happening across Europe that bred this nonsense in the first place which is Europe uh, was under some sort of like, do you remember, um, do you know about the frost fairs and the Europe being having a, a, an ice age for a few years? So the Thames no. frost fairs, so the Thames froze. Yeah, so around, oh, I need to be careful with my dates. Around the time of this, <laughs> check. The Thames froze oh. solid be- because there was a mini ice age happening across Europe. Prior to that, or around the same time, it rained constantly. So Europe was going through a period of extreme like crop failure, starvation, famine, more or less. Hmm. Um, and people turned on each other because of that. Yeah, you should look up frost fairs. You'll like it. So people with the Thames was frozen and people did fairs on it or something. Wow. Um, but anyway, the point, the point being that when people get hungry, they do weird things. Um, and that's what's happening to this family as well. Like they do believe in witches already because of their the branch of their faith. But when you get hungry, you do get delusional and you yeah. turn on each other. And that's what happens to this family. And I like that. Apart from the twins, the twins seem pretty well fed and happy um, because they are evil. Um, so this was the scene I was talking about when I was saying that I love the way that this family relates to each other. Caleb and dad come back from the woods. The twins have let the goat loose ooh, ooh, and ooh. dad has oh, gone. The only, the only, the only <laughs> thing was I, I do love, um, I do love a little, uh, little Caleb's question to his dad, which is just such a great question when you're dealing with religion. And it is the question that any, like, you know, anyone would ask. It's like, right. Okay. So, um, the baby is dead. Samuel's dead. Um, how did Samuel sin? How did he sin? Is he in yeah. hell? Those mm. questions to like uh, William from Caleb are just like, yeah, exactly. Fucking answer that, Dad. Yeah, but the way he does answer him, and he does say he basically does the mod, the oldie time version of "Look, I'm not going to lie to you, and I love you, and this is still hard." <laughs> 
which is amazing, amazing parenting. Don't lie to him. There's no point lying to him. At the same time, don't make him feel vulnerable and exposed. That is brilliant parenting. It was. I, I just mm. think it's so good. <laughs> oh, we should yeah. say as well, because I forgot to mention, the dialogue is oldie-timey style because um, when Robert Eggers was researching all these accounts of witchcraft and diary entries and stuff like that he's he cribbed the dialogue style from the way that people did used to speak so it's that's another layer of authenticity it takes a bit of getting used to but i think it does make for a more enriching experience Mm. it does take a bit of getting used to uh but yeah it's good bloody hipsters (laughs) so so this is a small moment but it really stuck with me possibly because of the twins my twins Dad and Caleb get home. They've let Black Philip loose. Dad has got like, he's got, you know, he's had a hell of a morning anyway. And now he's got to put a goat back. And my expectations of this character, which have started to be subverted because of the gentleness that he'd shown with Caleb in the woods when explaining <laughs> original sin, um, it's completely like leaned into here because he puts the goat back. And I was like, these twins are going to get it because at the time that it's set, you cannot go against your father in that way. And they're mischievous and they're causing trouble. They're being a bit of a nightmare. And all he does is tell them off. And I thought he was, I thought he was going to hit them because that would be representative of the time. Or I thought he was going to give them a really horrible punishment, but he's just basically like, can you not do that, please? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Which is just oh, so. Oh, the goat yeah. shouts. God, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare. And- what if he gored me? I'm not saying that will ever happen. Yeah, exactly. What if he gored me? Think about that. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, what have I told you before? If the goat gets out, it could gore me. I have asked you a thousand times. And yes, I've but said he... that's unlikely. I know I've said that's unlikely. <laughs> There's a tiny, tiny chance the goat will gore me. To gore me, it would actually want to have some sort of vendetta against me, and it's a goat. <laughs> Let's remember. So that's why I'm not at all worried that you've let it out and are calling it Black Philip. Actually, sorry, that last point seems a bit weird. What did you? What did you just? Did you just call? Did you, have you made up a rhyme about Black Philip? The goat doesn't have a name because we don't yeah. give animals names. But and, you know, now he's got a name. It makes me feel a little bit more like he may gore me. I don't know where why that is, but uh... <laughs> and also they they're having an argument. The whole family is arguing and they're talking over each other. And he basically, one of the parents is like, can you just give me a minute to like get my thoughts together? And I was watching it. I was like, this is my life. Like, this is my family. We shout at each other all the time. It's not just my family. I'm saying, I'm sure there are many other people watching it. But like, that's how it is when you're having a row with the kids. Everyone's screaming at everyone else. And someone shouts louder for a second. He's like, everybody just stop. And then we'll all breathe and it'll be fine. But I, you got to hope that's other families seen... as well. You've got to hope, hey? Yeah. <laughs> well, not just me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I've, I have no point of reference for this. So anything you say about the realism of this family unit, I'm like, is it? Fine. Sure. Okay. I Yeah, honestly, I found it. I, I will remember it forever. I was like, that that is relatable. Like, it, I just thought it was very good. Um. All right. So listen, then. Now, this is a bit, I found this a bit tricky because Thomason is down by the river and she's with her siblings and she makes a joke to the twins about being a witch and I can't get my head around it because there's no way that you'd mess around with it, I think. The consequences are so dire. It's not funny. It's really difficult. They are her siblings. 
Is but it... at the same time, mm. go on. No, no. I will. Sorry, sorry, sorry to jump in. I, my, my my take sorry. on it was she underestimates her little sister in that moment. She's like, she's a kid, so like I still have seniority. So if I if if the kid goes to the family, she's a witch. Uh, I Thomason will still. If Mercy goes, she's a witch. And she said she was a witch. I can still go. I absolutely didn't. Oh, she can't lie though because she's Christian. She could go. No, nope, that's not true. Whatever. <laughs> she sort of still carries seniority, and I think it's an underestimation of what what that what Mercy is going to do with that information later. Yeah, it definitely is. It's just when you're you, when you cast your mind back to what it would have been like to live during that time, uh, which is something I do frequently because I know I would have been lucky to make it to like eight. Like I don't think I would have got very far. And it makes you feel better um, about where you are now as well. If you're like, well, I, I'm not living <laughs> on the outskirts of a Puritan plantation in the woods uh, when my baby's gone missing, and the, the goat's definitely not going to gore me. So yeah, things are. Things are pretty good, actually. Yeah, I mean, if I'd have been alive during uh, the like Lancashire witch trial, well, I either would have been in completely silent or dead. There's no way that I would get away with any of any of this. Yeah, definitely the first one. Definitely, you'd have been completely silent. You'd have been dead. Someone would have gone, uh, "Are you a witch?" You'd have gone, "What if I fucking am, mate? What? But what if I am?" And then bang. Oh, well, that, that's that's all we need, really, because we were going to do the whole floating test and all that shit. But but really, you've come at me. Cool. Hang up, hang up, burn up, whatever. Fuck, she's definitely a witch. I do. I'd have either been completely silent. Who are you? What have you done with Vicky? Fuck off. I do think about it. I can be meek and compliant. Um, for a if a, if a man, if a, if a man went... I think you might be a witch. You'd have gone, nothing. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Oh, just be about my business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, well, fuck you, mate. What? Sorry, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck, I'll double down, actually. Yeah, fuck you, mate. Cool. You know, I'm a, <laughs> you can tell by the hat and the funny clothes. I'm a witch hunter. It's like, I don't care what you are. Why? Do you, what, you judge yourself on your job? How about judge yourself for who you are as a person? Oh, I'm going to burn you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It would have been a short. I mean, it would have been worth it, but yeah, short life, very short life. Yeah, you've got oh, a statue yeah. two hundred years later. The woman who stood up to the. Do you witch think I would? A very a small <laughs> statue, know. maybe an ornament that you could buy on a stall. I don't know. Maybe a mention in the Lancashire Evening Telegraph anniversary edition of the <laughs> Pendle Hill Witch Trials. <laughs> Um, all Me- right, remember, so, remember the Pendle Witch Charles. Remember, do you remember them? Does everyone remember them? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So this next scene, it's I don't know if it's necessarily narratively like crucial, but I was very affected by it. So William and Kate, uh, Kath, dad, mum and dad are in bed, and again, it's just because I'm so sort of impressed and enamoured with the undoing of. This, the sort of stereotypes when you have like a Puritan characters. Dad is trying to convince his wife that basically because they've been lucky so far and they've had no children taken from them, that maybe the loss of baby Samuel is actually a good thing because it will allow them to experience God's grace even more because they'll be so humbled by their loss. Mm. 
And when he's saying those words, you know, you can do that in a cold, patrician manner, like put yourself together, woman. But he is just trying to make his wife feel better in the language that they both share. And that should work. And she backchats him. And I'm like, wow, that's mad. Because the the tropes of the time are like a woman is submissive and mm. she listens to her husband and she wouldn't dare speak back because it's dangerous to speak back against your husband because if he casts you out, you're fucked. Mm. But also it's against God to speak back against your husband. And she does. And it makes him seem real. Oh, it's just, oh, I just thought that was amazing. And it's very sad. It's a very horrible thing to be saying maybe the loss of our baby is actually for the best. Mm. I said, whoa, fucking hell. Like, there's a lot there. But I just thought, but it, was, but I thought it was brilliant. I thought, you know, he'd be domineering and he's not. Okay. So what you're saying is, because, you know, we talk about Robert Eggers' authenticity, what you're saying, and, and 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 also the fact that the narrative at the start said, look, he is a, he's even more religious than religious people. Um, so uh, are you saying that it's nice because it makes them real and you don't mind that it seems to go against... Like, um, you know, how authentic that relationship is in terms of what they should I, be. I'm saying I like it. No, I'm saying what we've been sold, maybe what we've been sold okay, before okay, is okay. just easy stereotypes. He, Yeah, like he did the research. There was, I was reading around some of the research that he did and like a lot of men, not as many, but a lot of men were also accused of witchcraft during the time of like, the, you know, the sort of full hysteria. But many of those men were husbands that like went to bat for their wives to be like, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, of yeah. course, she's not a witch. And they were like, well, so are you then? So yeah. I, real, I think nearly all, all of them were. I think nearly all of them. <laughs> I think it was always by association to a woman who was a witch. Yeah. It was never, no, I don't think very few men were ever like, he's a witch. He's like, but who, which woman's he with who's also a witch? <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his wife. Oh, okay. Now he can be a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just think it's easy to go. Puritans were cold because it seemed like they led hard, hard scrabble lives devoid of passion. Uh, oh, no, sorry, that's not true. They had religious passion. Um, and so what we do then is we go, and there were many types of men that were bloody awful. And we imagine that a woman would have fallen into line. At the same time, theirs is a marriage based on love and a shared faith. And they do have, for the times, a happy family. Mm. So I imagine that a loving husband would want his wife to feel secure and not upset about the death of a baby. And so using that language would make sense. At the same time, she is a woman in grief. And so she maybe would transgress in a very small way to say, can you not <laughs> say that to me right now? I'm not ready to hear that. I, and I just think it's much more rounded um, and real. And yep. that's why I like I like that. Yep. Very much. Good. But equally, equally, it's then undercut which in a good way, we then flip back to actually Puritans are cold and awful because at the same time, Jeez. they're scheming yeah. to sell Thomas in. So she's got to go and serve. Yeah. Which is cold, but it's practical and it's very I, usual for the times and very usual for their situation. And is it because, I don't know, is it, is she a threat to the family unit? Is that what Catherine's saying as well? Catherine's basically sort of going, she's come of age, but she sort of says it in a way that is like, I don't want her... As 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 a as a, another woman, I don't want I don't want her around anymore. Like, is it because of like she's aware of the, the way Thomason's making Caleb feel? I mean, she's certainly not doubting William's obvious uh, you know, devotion to her, like incest or anything. But there does seem to be a, a motive. Like, she doesn't want uh, a woman who's come of age under her roof, other than it's just her time. 
I, I think it's both. I think, you know, when a woman came of age, why you you live at home when you're a child. When you're not a child, you leave home and you go and serve if you don't if you don't have the means to to not, basically. Mm. But you know, coming of age has many things attached to it, doesn't it? It was like you're literally old enough to go out there and fend for yourself, but also you're not a little girl anymore and that all the other things that that brings with it. Mm. So it's a complicated conversation because it's perfectly reasonable for them to say her staying here any longer is unusual and we do not have the resource right. to be to be giving to an adult we don't have enough food she she needs to go and then in the mix could be the other element of uh which does come to the fore when they have their big fight that there is a weird threat going on yeah. but that again is exacerbated by hunger because a loving mother isn't going to think that of her own daughter ah i don't know though yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot in the mix there. <laughs> yeah, know. it just seems anyway. a, weird, a weird thing that I think it's just the way it's pitched in the scene. It's sort of William is very sort of like he hadn't really thought of it. It wasn't sort of a consideration for him. And why? 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 Yeah. Why is it? Why is it Catherine driving the the conversation forward? Like as her mother, as Thomason's mother, why is she the one going? This? Um, why haven't you thought of this? And he's like, Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's almost. Well, like, do you want some? The honest answer that I, that what I projected onto it is um, the women do the washing and her mother would know if um, Thomason had started her periods and her dad wouldn't know. Ah, okay. And so that's okay. coming of age. Good, good. So that's that's what I thought. Yeah, I think that's fine. That <laughs> so makes, that makes he's sense. A bit, yeah. He, he's, he doesn't know. He's a bit surprised. Yeah, 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 fine. He doesn't know, yeah. Mm. He doesn't know that she's uh, reached that, that wonderful milestone. So... Um, after Caleb's like, no, you're not going to have to go. I'm going to get us some food. He goes into the woods with his sister, but it obviously all goes very wrong. He's taken by the witch. Um, yeah. So, and then the witch is now youthful, beautiful. It, no, she's not though, is she? Because this is a thing, and this is I, I, sidebar. But here we go. So. At this, when I watched this the first time, I thought the old crone, because this is the second time we see the witch. Uh, um, so I yeah. thought that um, the squishing the baby, uh, squishing uh, Samuel at the start, and slathering herself in all of his uh, his gubbins, um, that was not <laughs> to make them. I didn't realize that was to make them fly, which it is. I thought that was to make her youthful um, to the yeah, age. No, it's not, as far as I'm I'm aware, it's it's not. Um, it's the fact that. Uh, oh, maybe it is youthful. It's definitely for flight. It, the, the the baby's guts make the, give the witches the ability of flight. Um, I don't know whether it simultaneously gives them the ability of uh, youthfulness. I think in that scene where Caleb sees her and she's young and beautiful, she's not really. That is just a okay. projection. It's a magic spell that she is casting on right on Caleb or on herself because when you see the hand shoot out and grab the back of his head it's still a withered old hand it's not ah, a young hand yeah you're right it's an old you're woman's right, hand right, yeah. um yeah. and so therefore i think it i think actually she's not young and beautiful she just appears to Caleb that way and actually the baby juices ah, yeah. blah, are just for flight whoa fair mm. enough whoa just give me a second yeah. <laughs> bloody hell yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you now that you've said it. So um, when he's returned, you know, he's naked, he's in a mess, he's very ill. The, the women, so his mum especially, like takes to like healing him and then he spits up a rotten apple 
Um, And the twins, yeah, that's gross, uh, but brilliant. And the twins denounce Thomas in for a witch. Another amazing scene with dad. Dad is not having that, not because there could not be a witch in his family, because he's so convinced of his faith and the strength of his faith that how could he possibly be harboring a witch? And, which is also in the mix, and he loves his daughter. He doesn't want her to be a witch because he loves her. But also there is an element of pride there of like, I've done as much as I can to make this, a God-fearing household and a respectful household, there's no way there's a witch in this house. Mm. Uh, so it's really complicated for him. Um, but then the twins are hysterical and Caleb, poor Caleb, is in raptures. So the way I read this scene is I was I understood he was going to die and I was really sad for that. But yeah. I think his faith, is his faith protecting him? Because it's like he sees everything he wants to see. He sees Jesus and he sees heaven and, and he's off, you know. And even though he's going to die... I felt okay for him, but then I misremembered. Is there a scene where they say Caleb wasn't baptized? So by the language of the time, he isn't going to go to heaven. Oh, God. I can't remember. Um, so, because I guess if the movie is... Um, I know that Samuel um, wasn't. Yeah. it's. I guess the question here is... Yeah, no, I think Caleb was. I think you're right, because I remember the line. I think it's Samuel that wasn't ever baptized. But, uh, and yeah. oh, of course. Yeah, it's Samuel, because that's why Caleb is saying, and, and you can't imagine a family this religious would have not baptized Caleb by this age. So, no, it's Samuel. Exactly. Because yeah. that's why that makes that sense of what I was saying earlier about Caleb going, is he in hell? Because he wasn't baptized. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I guess what we're saying here is if a mo- if this movie is saying witches are real, um, then it could also be in the same breath go, Religion is also real. Heaven and hell are real because um, the devil's of real. Of course, yeah. yeah. Of course, so it is. So, yeah, so he's got, you know, so it's not quite such a fucking, as I wrote down, god-awful Caleb death uh, because he does get to go to heaven at the end. I mean, the thing is, with the, the, the Puritan movement and the belief in witchcraft only is possible because of a belief in God. If God is real, then so is the devil. And the time at which the Puritan movement arose was the time of uh, the Protestant movement not believing that the church had been sufficiently reformed of Roman Catholic elements. And so they had to be sort of purer than, you know, more good than good and be very watchful because otherwise you incur the wrath of a God that you know is real. So if you very much believe that God is in your everyday life, you do believe that the devil is also potentially in your everyday life unless you do something against it. So of course Mm. heaven and hell are real because they they exist with each other, don't they? In, in balance and all the rest of it. So yeah, they totally God. you know it makes perfect sense that Remi- Caleb. I yeah. felt pleased for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got out of it, didn't he? I mean, it's all <laughs> it's all. Gee, I mean, it, it reminds me of um of my Church of England uh, school days, where the uh, the Reverend would stand at the front and start a sermon by going, "Neighbors, everybody needs good neighbors with a little understanding." <laughs> We can find the helping hand, not just the words to a popular television show, but also, in many ways, the words of God. I'm like, what the fuck is this? How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? <laughs> what do you want? You want hellfire and brimstone? I mean, I'd, I think it would have put the fucking fear into me a bit more. I'd have been like, oh, you know, I fucking understand really like good values as opposed to going, fuck neighbours mates are you trying to be cool <laughs> i just pissed off. <laughs> they're always trying to be cool yeah, yeah, it's yeah. terrible um so poor caleb he's 
died. And that is very awful. Um, Dad begs Thomason to confess again because he loves her. And if she confesses, she could possibly be saved. Mm. Um, oh, this is what I found out. You're, so I always, the water thing for witches, I never understood it. I thought it was just cruel, as in, we're going to drown you anyway, ladies. Oh, but the, the float, I, float, I understood... float and you're guilty, yeah. sink and drown and you were innocent. So what it is, is, oh God, wait, let me just find my notes because it's really interesting. So um, they what they did, if they thought you were a witch, they tied your thumbs to your toes and chucked you in the river. Mm-hmm. And if you, you're innocent, if you sink and if you float, you're a witch. So if you're innocent and you sink, they actually would try and rescue you. Oh. Like, oh, shit. Oh, so that's... <laughs> but, a... Yeah, because you're innocent. Oh, they've twisted it over time then where it's turned into this joke where people think, oh, if you were innocent, you drowned anyway. So it was a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Oh, so they would try and but, rescue however, you. They would try and rescue you, but most people... But they, a lot of people were dead by the time they did it because it's a river. <laughs> so yeah. they were... But they would be like, they might try and rescue you. But the reason it, this was do, do it in the can we just do it at the I'm happy to do this if you think I'm a witch do it at the bank yeah sort of have a semicircle <laughs> of other accusers round me but but just the minute I start to sing if I do grab me yeah because I don't want to go over the fucking waterfall down there because I've you know just spitball in here you probably aren't going to fucking save me are you. Because if you were baptised, when you're baptised, you're baptising water. And if you're guilty, the water will reject you because you've been baptised. Uh... And so water is, your, is, is pure. And so if the devil is in the water because you're a witch, the water is the thing that will spit you back out because you're a witch. Isn't that fun? That and is also fun. terrifying. I thought it had to be holy water, yeah. though, but okay. okay that's fine. Maybe no, it... just dirty river water. Wow. Any filthy river will do. It's no wonder so many babies <laughs> died. It's like is that is that water in the font all right? Because it it looks like it's alive. Um... <laughs> yes, yeah, fine. Splash it on. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's gone in his mouth. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, family are unraveling. They're in grief. They're on the edge of starvation. Everyone's accusing everyone of everything, but there is truth in it. So. Thomasin turns on her dad and she knows that her parents wanted her sold and she sells the twins down the river, which fair enough. They do have an unholy bond with a goat and mum and dad are turning on each other because of the silver cup that William sold earlier uh, in order to buy the animal trap. So the family are in a very bad way at this point. Yeah. So much so that the kids get locked up. And I, this again, I love this moment. The kids are together, the surviving children are together. So that's Thomasin and her twin siblings. And she just says really simply, are you witches? And then one of them says, yeah, I'm starting to think I might be. <laughs> it's like, that's just amazing. Yeah. Like, the dialogue, they're just so clean. Like, God, I love that. I love it. <laughs> um, Dad is obviously in agony by this point. Um, and he's just begging, which is, it's not even a turnaround for him. It's not even much of an arc. He's, he's pleading to a God he believes in, but he's he understands that he's committed a sin which is the sin of pride, which is what led to them being cast out of the community in the first place. If they'd stayed in the community, essentially none of this would have happened because they wouldn't have started to starve and the starvation, and they wouldn't have ended up in the clutches of a witch. But also the starvation is the thing that is adding to the fact that this family unit can't bond together because the family unit never says, do you know what? There might be a witch in those woods and we should go and get the bitch, <laughs> like stop her from wrecking our lives. They just disintegrate. And I think they disintegrate because they're hungry. Mm. Um, so he's begging for his children to be saved. 
and we have a very bad night where Catherine hallucinates her dead children and breastfeeds a raven. Oh my which god! Is it's very so upsetting. great. Oh my god! I love it. I mean, it's yeah. hideous, but wow, what imagery! Just that raven pecking away her nipple. Oh. Oh, oof, yeah. oof. And then and you think, oh, was it a dream? And then in the morning, she's got blood on her nightshirt. It's like, oh, it was weirdly real. Or have you torn yourself? Imagine, what imagine, you're, a, imagine you're a mother who's breastfeeding a kid at home and you're watching put on the witch. Imagine sort of like looking down at that thing <laughs> clinging off your nipple and just sort of like watching that raven yeah. and just being like, I, you know what? You're just going to have, you, you know, I'm just going to put you over there for a bit, darling. And just mommy, just mommy needs to take another Valium. <laughs> Yeah, the pain is equivalent. I'm not joking. Like when she, when that raven was pecking away, mm. I was like, "Truth, like that shit hurts." But also, did I ever tell you won't like this story? But I'll tell you anyway. When I was, I breastfed the twins, and when I was feeding them, I'd feed them for hours, and I wanted to watch a bit of telly. And so, for some reason, and I don't know why, I started, I started watching all the seasons of The Handmaid's Tale. And so all that is is these women being raped and forced to be pregnant and then they get their babies taken from their arms. But because once your babies are on, like once they're latched on, terminology, you can't, you don't want to take them off. So I was like, I'm just drawn to that. All I was doing is breastfeeding and crying, basically. Breastfeeding and crying. <laughs> I did that mm. for about two months. And then someone was like, why don't you watch Parks and Rec instead? I was like, that's such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what was your, anyway, you, less about you. You uh, just on the handman's handman's tail front because you got me onto Margaret Atwood, obviously because you, yeah. you're trying to stop me reading uh, the Thursday Murder Club and uh, John John Grisham <laughs> novels. So, um, so, uh, but you get what was it? Or- Oryx, Croak, and Oryx, Oryx and Crake, Oryx and Crake, which I fucking love. Yeah, uh, you know, I know, awesome. I know, I struggle. I'm still struggling through Roscoe, but Oryx and Crake. I was like, <laughs> this is an amazing recommendation from Vicky. She's always going to come through on recommendations. No, not true. <laughs> Um, so I, I sort of went off piste a bit, and I was like, "Well, Vicky, Vicky, first recommendation I really loved." Uh, so I'll, go, I'll grab another Margaret Atwood. I got about four pages into the Handmaid's Tale and was like, "Not for me!" Oh, for God's sake! For God's sake! Her most famous work, her seminal work. Oh, no, but and Ar- you can't Ar- get- was sort of. I've just found it easier to read, not because of the content, just the, the way it was written. It felt. It just felt. You know what I'm like. I like something accessible. I don't like to be tested just before bed. Although it does make me tired. I'm reading a. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you afterwards what I'm reading right now. Oh my God! Tell no, me no. I, oh please. No, because we'll have to cut it out because it'll be, people will get the wrong idea. But I'm doing it because, like, you know, my friend Johan. Yeah, he was like, "I'm going to buy you a book. I want you to read it." So, uh, let me just prefix it by saying, because you might be like fine with this, but you might not be. So, let me prefix it by saying, "I'm reading it on a recommendation from Johan." I built it up to it anyway. Uh, so, I'm reading uh, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life at the moment. Oh, for God's sake, what? Alex! For goodness' sake. No, I am not all right with it. Obviously, okay. It's fine for you to read That's it. it. I'm not trying to stop you. Okay. From- Right, so fine. it is fine for me to read it because Johan was like, "You should read it. It's interesting." Why does Johan? What is? Oh, what? He's not fallen down that particular. No, 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 no. He he? He, stopped, he he suffixed it with like you know, John Peterson like has got. What did he say? How did he put it? He was like, he's he's jumped off the deep end, especially recently. Yes, but if you go back and read yeah. this book, it's actually a very interesting book. So it, it was suffixed with that anyway. So I'm I'm, All right, fine. I'm All reading right. that at the moment. But the bottom line is, you know. So I, I'm I'm reading something you know slightly more uh, 
intellectual than a, uh, yes than a lot of the shit I, I read and actually it's it's getting me to sleep earlier <laughs> my main concern i want my eight hours so yeah uh right back are you, are you when we finish this right. uh, when we finish this actual record are you gonna have you're gonna have strong words with me uh, that you're keeping to yourself right now about my illiteracy no okay. <laughs> no no no, not, I, no can you see the fear no, no, no. can I'm you not, see the I'm fear not. in my eyes look at that that's fear that's what fear no you're allowed to read it Great. you're allowed to read it <laughs> you are not allowed to quote it back to me right. in a pub-based <laughs> argument type situation uh, I've, you're only ever allowed to say yeah i've already what? i've already highlighted a few uh, a few choice paragraphs which uh, <laughs> i'll be bringing up over a no, over a beer when we're back together <laughs> yeah, see this is the thing i don't want to know so here we are we're back in the movie so We've had a bad night, but it's the morning that it all kicks off, which I do like. Mm. Um, Dad is impaled by Black Philip, And this is a fun character note that I don't know if you... Do you notice he's been chopping wood a lot? Yep. <laughs> and it's like a, a real dad thing to do. Like, everything's gone to shit. I'm just going to chop a load of wood, <laughs> as in a distracting task. Also, isn't it... I, th- I I mean, I can't imagine it's this because I don't think Robert Eggers would be quite so, uh, you know, on the nose. But, you know, the whole thing is about them trying to tame the wilderness and the wilderness is trees oh, and he's yeah, chopping yeah. wood. And it's like it's quite literally taming the wilderness by chopping up trees. No, I, I think it's that. Oh. I think that's a that's a good. Yeah, I don't think that's too obvious. Why not? Um, so he gets buried under all this wood. He's been pointlessly chopping <laughs> for yeah. ages. Yes, yeah, so the, literally uh, the wilderness winds, like both in terms of yeah. an animal and the trees that crush him. So the twins are gone, or are the twins dead? I've missed that. I can bit. tell you. Where are the twins? I can tell you what the, what the general consensus is on this, which is what I thought, and I was like, I better check, because um, initially my first thing uh, was like, because uh, I think there are some young, there are some goats that are dead that aren't Black Philip, or some lambs. There is looks like some other animals, yeah, and are. I thought, I thought it was they, they'd been sort of transformed into like animals and slaughtered or something, ah, which was my yeah. initial thing, and I was like, I bet it's not that. Um, because you know the witches at the end, um, which we're going to talk about uh, when you see them flying uh, above the campfire that Thomason walks up to. Um, yeah. We've already been told, you know, by it's uh, the blood of children that gives them their flying power. So Thomason and right. um, because it's affecting loads of women at the same time, basically the uh, Tom, um, Mercy and Jonas are burning on that big pyre. And it's the, the smoke from the fire that is allowing the witches to fly because they're inhaling all the smoke. Oh. So, so yeah, oh, man. that's what happens to those little fucking bastards. They get uh, chopped <laughs> on a bonfire. Oh, oh no. Oh, I don't like that. Um, and Mum and Thomasin have a very brutal fight. So, I, you know, in this, all, all Catherine's sense has gone, but she has just lost most of her children and she's starving. So... She's not a fairy tale evil mum. It's usually a step mum in fairy tales. Um, she's just lost their mind. Mm. And even though she's trying to kill her own her last surviving child, you'd still feel sorry for her. She's just been driven mad mm. uh, by everything that's happened. And she can't deal with what's in front of her for obvious reasons. So when she gets it from Thomasin, you understand why Thomasin has got to protect herself. But no one, it's not like, oh, you'd beat the baddie kind of thing. Mm. Like you just feel awful for everyone. Yep. And then, then Thomasin goes to talk to Black Philip, and I love the pause where she's like, something like, "Do you speak English, or can you not tell what I'm saying?" And you're like, "Oh, what's you've gone mad, girl? Like, what's happened?" And then he's like, "Hiya, not that, 
but it is so brilliant when he talks back and you see him as a man and the voice is super creepy mm. and the things that he offers her, which you've mentioned about do you butter a pretty and pretty dress, dresses yeah. and to live delicious. And doesn't he say, do you want to travel as well? Which is yes. awesome because she's already undertaken a, a big journey because she's traveled from England to new England. Um, but the idea that her her life would otherwise be so limited, like that's it, it's obviously, and that's a huge undertaking anyway, but there's nothing else for it. And the things that he offers her are extremely tempting. But my question is, so I I, I totally agree, because it makes her sound like she's going to live a life of luxury, dining in Parisian, like uh, bistros and what have you. But it's sort of like, okay, so all that is being promised to her, but is it a lie? Because why the fuck are those other women hanging around a bonfire in the New England woods if they've signed away the same the same deal? It's sort of like, is this just bullshit? Like that he he promises this, but yeah, the, the reality is, you know, live in the woods in a in a hovel. I don't know. Or are it's they in down? They might be on downtime. They might be on downtime from their travels, and yeah. it's like we need to recharge, and so we've. It's a seminar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a work. It's a. It's a workshop. It's a conference. It's meet, meet, meet the new girl. Yeah, it's a witch conference. Yeah. It's like I mean, no one enjoys a conference, but it's we'll a- be back in Paris in no time. Where, <laughs> where is it this year? It's the New England woods again. Oh, for fuck's sake! He loves the New England woods. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Can't wait to get back to Paris. <laughs> That's the thing. It's an induction for Thomasin, I right. think. Um, Robert Eggers said, and I, I disagree. I don't disagree with him. I disagree with the note. When they when he did test screenings of the film, people didn't understand this butter. They didn't understand the dresses. They wanted something that seemed a bit more thematically like on point, which is a mad note because if you're living that hard scrabble life, yeah. butter is a distant dream. Fuck. And also, he did get this stuff from people that really confess. Obviously, they're coerced to confess. Some people weren't tortured to confess. Some people just did believe they were witches for multitude, many intersectional reasons. And the things that they wanted were what we would consider to be quite simple stuff. They they wanted a lot of sex because they were poor mm. and no one ever came near them and they didn't get any affection or touch or, or sex or anything. Mm. And they wanted nice clothes and they wanted um, rich foods because they these things did exist. They just couldn't afford them. It makes perfect sense to me that the things that he offers are are to yeah. are by our standards I, I agree. Uh, pretty straightforward things to get definitely i mean my and that's it my, my one question is the bit where he she says i can't write my name is that because she's illiterate it's not because there's a the it's that or is it a double meaning that it's the sort of last bastion of her her faith like preventing her she wants it but she just can't bring herself to write her name because he goes i will guide your hand uh, i just assumed it was a literacy right. thing because mm-hmm. why would you educate Oh, that's a good point. But it's sort of it's a weird yeah, thing. It's a weird thing to sort of bring in at the end, like it's just a literacy. It's like yeah. I can't, I, I can't write my name. I will guide your hand. It's sort of like, yeah. I, I, I just, I wondered why it was there. Yeah, that's fair. And then she's off to a party in the woods with the witches, and, and the, she's happy, or she's hysterical, or she's happy. She, she, she genuinely is happy at that point because she's, she's, she's all in <laughs> to coin an expression. i mean honestly i was kind of pleased for her like apart from the fact that she's got to eat babies in the future which is nasty business um it sounds like a good deal to be honest so but that's it basically the film just ends i mean she is a witch um and she's pretty happy about it and that's it which is a real she's a witch now the whole family is dead she breathes in the burning corpse smoke of jonas and mercy and it allows her to fly
Ugh. Yeah. But she hated so, them, so I, happy days. Um, they were a nightmare. They were, they were very challenging to live with. Um, shall we do the bits? Sure. What's your best scene? My best scene um, uh, is Black Philip transforming into Satan and whispering <laughs> deliciously into her ear. And it's it's that, or it genuinely is, because it's just such a powerful image that I can't unsee it. It is the witch with the giant pestle and mortar in inverted commas cauldron, but not a cauldron like, oh, a cauldron, like in Hocus Pocus, like what appears to be a giant pestle yeah. and mortar. I don't know what the actual device is called. It's probably a Peru piece of kitchenware where it's just a long fucking heavy pole and it's the weight of the pole mashed in to this oh. like, high-sided pot. And knowing there's a fucking baby in there that she is squishing up, I was like, it's, it's that as well. Those two scenes is, um, are the two yeah. that stuck with me. Um, so mine, talk, yeah, talking to Black Philip, and when Black Philip answers back, I've just found it very scary um, because the voice is so good. But because I, I mentioned it before, because I'm so in love with it, the, my favourite scene is the family tiff when Black Philip gets out because the realism just like just bashed me over the head. Like this family, hmm. this super relatable family. Um, uh, yeah, I loved that very much. So that's my favourite scene, and also talking to Black Philip. Um, what's your most valuable whatever? Um, I'm most valuable whatever. A, a special mention. Are you called him Ralph Ineson, which is probably right. I've always called him Ralph Ineson, uh, which it doesn't sound I just, right. I actually don't know. Oh, which okay. is really bad. I don't. I, I don't know for sure. Um, I think he he uh, he was a victim of his own success, really, because he is after David Brent, possibly the most defining moment from The Office. He like Finchy, yeah. Chris Finch. Is just was just like he, he was so fucking good in that role, and you knew exactly who that Chris Finch was. That I honestly, oh, yes. it took me to seeing this to go, and there is an actor. Now it was this movie for me yeah, yeah. where he buried Chris Finch and became wow, he's fucking great. So um, this special mention uh, to Ralph Innocent slash Innocent. We will look that up, but not re-edit. Just know, uh, Ralph, for future episodes, we will pronounce your surname correctly. But we just don't have the manpower to go back over this episode and remove every time Vicky's called you Ineson instead of Innocent. What? I'm just throwing it. I'm just saying it might be. Uh, right. Uh, look at this. You can't see. This is what I'm telling you. Fucking I can't help myself. Ro- Roger Eggers I've written. Jesus Christ. So Robert <laughs> Eggers is... Uh, look, look, it's just... It's right there. Fucking what? Fucking... I'm an idiot. Uh, Robert Eggers. Um, I genuinely think uh, to create a film that is this that gets under your skin, I, and I agree with you, especially on this watch, more so on the first watch where I was more scared because it's the unknown. This watch wasn't scary, but it is like immersive and it gets under your skin. And to do that and sort of like simultaneously like eschewing all the traditional kind of tropes of the horror genre like you know there's one jump scare where the old crone's hand grabs caleb um but it's just i just think it's an incredible achievement like like to have and i'm sure it is like you went through it at the start the authenticity the candlelight the natural light you know the isolation the hut built the way it is the clothes being hand stitched it all contributes and i think it's it, it, you can say it about northman uh, to a, i think probably a lesser degree and the lighthouse to a greater degree they're both immersive um experiences and and like this you know as i said on monday on black death you know in a different way but i love a film that um 
that transports me somewhere. And I, I feel like I've spent the duration of the movie almost living in the location that this has taken place. And this does that for me. Uh, so I think, yeah, Roger Eggers. <laughs> Robert Eggers. <laughs> uh, Robert, yeah, me too. Just, I, I love, I'm just such a sucker because I like a sort of Hollywood ending for people that I know that real life is much more back and forth and one step forward and two step back. But I just love the idea that he's like, I have this idea and I have this talent and I have this plan and everything has to be perfect and it's going to work and it did work. And then from yep. the back of that, you get your own singular career where you do have a style, a motif, a look, and it's all going well for you. And you seem like a nice dude and you deserve it. It's just a perfect instance of like reward coming to talent. And mm. everyone involved in this film is obviously like bringing the A game because he's got such a brilliant idea and he's got a way of carrying it through. I just, when I read mm. that the house was made using the tools of the time, I was like, that's either the most annoying thing you've ever heard or the best thing you've ever heard. And it, mm. I just think this, this film is a, a beautiful realization of someone's vision. Um, and yeah, and good for him. So yes, it's Robert I'll, Eggers. I'll tell you what the line is. The line is, if he's got uh, people who know how to build uh, a hut from the exact materials that the hut was built from at that time, and he's brought them in, and he's like, and you, it's the hut is going to be built exactly like period. And they're like, absolutely. And then he sees one of them using a Black & Decker and he's like, fucking put that down as well. Sorry. No, no, no. You have to then build it using tools from the period as well. At that point, you're like, Robert, no, listen, we'll build it in the, it'll look for your movie. I'm not building it without using a power tool. No, 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 no. In fact, uh, because you're sort of isolated, you're not allowed a hammer either. So what do you want me to bang this nail in with? You're not allowed nails. They had nails. Yeah, but I don't believe they did. Cool. Yeah, so. I, <laughs> but yeah, I, I get, again, Robert Eggers. So you're going to do your change first because I want to hear what it is. Oh, it's only a little one. Because um, I, I, there's not much I would change. Um, basically, Thomasin is like, yeah, cool. I'll be a witch. I love butter. And she goes to a party in the woods. But she's lost everything. She's lost absolutely everything. Everybody is dead. Her house, there's no food. She's going to die. She doesn't really have much in the way of choice. She makes the choice, but what choice does she have? So I would have given her a task to do first and make her choose. So there's a way out of this. It might be a shit way out, but there is a way out of this. So maybe there's a horse. Maybe she can go back to the plantation, something. But he's like, but if you can do that, no problem. Off you go. Mm, but bear in mind, you might ride back to that plantation and they're going to think mm. you're a witch anyway. They're going to think you killed your whole family. Whatever. Just one task. It's cruel, but within the sort of uh, thing of this film, maybe her task is she's got to chuck her siblings on that bonfire, whatever it is. She's got to do something to pledge her allegiance rather than just sign her name or not even sign her own name. Mm. I don't know I don't know why I think that. I just think it would be cool. It would just give her a bit more agency. She for all that she's in this film and it is kind of her story, she doesn't have that much agency. She's reacting a lot of the time because of the joke she made with her twins. She's on the back foot quite a lot. So I would just like my female lead to get one glimmer of kind of cool agency, mm. which is this is a choice I make even though there's another option for me. Great. I love that. I think that's great. I think that's a really good change. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving the option out and still picking that gives it much more of a like, I'm totally in. I mean, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Um, I mine's mine's a silly one because I really struggled actually with this one and uh, and finding a change. Um, my mine's just stupid. I I, I like to close a loop and I want to know. I want I want confirmation that it is um, Mercy and Jonas on that fire or Mercy and Jonas <laughs> are the dead. I want to. I, I you know I'm. I, no shade on twins in general, but these particular twins, like how evil and <laughs> shitty they are, like and it, they're not representative of anyone of anyone's real twins. But I, I just want, I, I just like, I, I don't need, I don't need it to fill the frame. I just I, like for me as one of those people, I want it to be in there that if I'm searching it out, I can make out two tiny corpses on that bonfire. There's just Whoa, me. okay, fair enough. It's Clashween. We're allowed to talk about dark things. It's a month of horror on the pod. Uh, explanation, true. explanation, justification, justification. Right then. Are you done? I'm done. Yes. Yeah, I'm done. Right. So our first Clashween winner is about to be announced. It's time for The Verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Right. Um... So, do you want to go first? Shall I do Chris's first? Uh, shall I do mine first? Um, I'll do. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go first. Do you want to go first? Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay, here we go. Uh, the Witch is a vastly superior film. All the attention to detail and research is clear. The dialogue does take some getting used to, uh, however. Now, Black Death has a fun twist, which I always really enjoy, but the ending leaves me cold and possibly, in capital letters, offended. Hmm. Uh, the witch really affected me, not necessarily because of the creepiness, but because, cliche, it made history come to life. <laughs> um, and Black Death, my biggest issue is it has a sort of insistence that I feel sorry for a gang of bad guys, and that's a basic error. And you know how I feel about basic errors. So it's really, obviously, The Witch. It's a really great film. That is one vote for The Witch. Uh, I'll jump in here uh, then um, and say... I really enjoyed Black Death. I uh, I I really like what it's doing. It has a, a couple of issues. Uh you know, it doesn't quite fulfill the sort of dirty dozen style period war movie thing that I think it is really trying to do and like you I really struggled with, you know, who I was meant to root for. And you know me, I'm a simple man. I like goodies and baddies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with like gray areas in movies that are intentionally gray, but this felt like the, it felt like the kind of movie that needed like like I just that torture sequence, which should be a like oh my god moment. It's like oh my good, oh my good, or <laughs> or I'm a, I don't know, I don't know. And also, the only sympathetic character is like just. I can't get on board with Osmond. I'm afraid. I, I look. I enjoyed watching it again, and weirdly, I, and this is where it's going to sound weird. Weirdly, I probably will watch Black Death more than I'll watch The Witch because it does what it says on the tin, and it's sort of like I, I watch it almost knowing what to expect from it. I mean, I know it's got that kind of good twist at the end, but it's swords fight. It's a bit of fighting. It's an adventure sort of witchy movie. The Witch, I do think, loses its power on a second viewing. Once that end has come about, I know you didn't think it was much of a twist, uh, the, the goat, um, but you know, and my misremembering of what that was. But I think it's lost its power compared to the first time because you're sort of like, oh, right, here we go again. You're familiar with the ride. I don't know why it loses it more than other movies, but it did uh, for me. However, it is, you know, to cut to the chase, um, a better film. 
it's 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 just a better film uh, in this instance. It just is. It just is in this instance. <laughs> I can try and dress it up, but I feel like I'm just wasting air. So um, so there you go. Uh, it is the witch. Uh, it has won. The witch has beaten Black Death in our first ever Clash of Ween. Um, I, I will fill in the gap, uh, the Chris Tilly shaped hole. Here's is the witch. Bloody love Black Death, <laughs> but it doesn't have Black Philip. Plus, I think there's something genuinely evil in The Witch, which is why I'm glad I didn't have to watch it again, but also why I'm scared <laughs> to vote against it. Really, really affected <laughs> by that movie. Funny. Really affected by that movie. <laughs> okay, so there you go. The Witch, three for three. Don't forget, you can have your say on the poll because Chris will be back and by the time this is um, on air, and I, I, I know some of you have been missing the the, the weekly poll, and um, that's on me. I I just haven't done it. Excuse here. Great, I'll edit that in later. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's it. We've got a winner for the first Clash of Ween, the Witch. Um, right, Clash of Ween Part Two. Return of the Verdict. Uh, that's uh, next week's Clash of Ween countdown as we warm up even further for the greatest night of the year, Halloween. Um, what are we doing? You gave the clue on Monday, V. It's your week. I did, yeah. Let's hear the clue again. Uh, sorry, that's what I was I was waiting for you to uh, cue me up for that because I'm so very, very pleased with myself. Right, the clue is, mm. are you feeling okay? You're all over the shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's zing. Uh, so... <laughs> um so we are watching dawn of the dead from 19 something and dawn of the dead from 2000 and something. there we go so 2004 is the second one i, I only know that because i try and keep a uh, a record of my the movies that i'm in because it's on your imdb well, page <laughs> if i'm in a movie i like to know when it's released just so you know when people go oh okay should we talk about the movie that you're in you know you're the, the, the you know obviously when you're part of the cast of a film it's sort of it's, it's cemented. <laughs> I suppose Dawn of the Dead versus Dawn of the Dead. I think both Yay. are available to rent from various locations. So that is your pairing for next week. Do your homework. We will begin our zombie journey on Monday with the original Dawn of the Dead. Uh, there are numerous cuts available. Um, have you watched it yet? Sorry, I watched the 2004 one. I watched it on Netflix, so I don't know what... That's gone, what, that's various gone cuts there, of unfortunately. That. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's no... But I haven't watched the old one for a long time. All right. Well, there are numerous cuts. Watch whatever you will. I imagine uh, Chris right. Tilly will have watched all three. Uh, so uh... I'll tell you what I'll do, Alex. I will watch whatever is the cheapest. So I recommend that everyone do the same. Okay. I think they're all the same price, which removes that sorting mechanism. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> uh, whatever you fancy. Uh, there are three versions of the original uh, available to rent. I think there's a... a... Romero cut, then there's the extended cut, and then there's the theatrical cut. So I don't know. I did the theatrical cut. Uh, so I think you should do the same, Victoria. And then if Chris wants to talk about the others, he can talk about them. So do the theatrical cut, Great. everyone. Uh, yeah, Chris is screwing that the end of the show is taking so long. Can we get out now? Can we go? Uh, so thank you for listening. Congratulations to the witch. Clashoween continues next week. In the meantime, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Check in with us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, where we're at ClashPod. Check in on our 
new YouTube page, which is blowing up, blowing up it is, <laughs> uh, type Clash of the... You know how to do it. What am I doing? I'll speak to you on Monday. So, Victoria, and guess what? Chris Tilly will be back to keep this show on the road. Take care. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.